0: Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton I'm Travis, with me as always is Kyle And today folks, we are going to bury the 2023-24 Chicago Bears I know it's been a couple weeks since we've been out It wasn't due to depression folks, I promise I was ill uh, And was not able to go last week But Kyle, this week we aren't going to talk specific about the Bucks We aren't going to talk specifically about the Chiefs We aren't going to talk specifically about any of that We are going to talk about uh, this entire goddamn team. Um, And here's the thing, Kyle. Normal season, pretty much any other Bears season, even last year uh, that I've been a part of, I think if three games in, we dropped a podcast and we were like, you know what, the Bears are toast. This is it. This is the end of the season. And we've got 14 games left. I think people would have said, guys, like, stop overreacting. Stop freaking out. Uh... It seems like, uh, given the state of Bears fandom right now, I don't think we're alone in this. In fact, I'm pretty sure that 99% of the Bears fan base agrees this team here is absolutely, uh, absolutely cooked uh, from the top to the bottom. Um, uh, so I think we're gonna go pretty much top to bottom. We're gonna we're gonna ream everybody in the Bears organization, coaches, players, the GM, probably not the president. Um, but before we get to that, Kyle uh, I wanted to take a small, small timeout And uh, I wanted to ask you Who who should get a reprieve from getting lit into today?
1: Uh, I will... I think we can spare the rookies, maybe, for now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Darnell not...
0: has played well he, He's played pretty yeah. well He's had two bad yeah. sacks but those are the only
1: sacks he's given up. Yeah, I think really it's just
0: yeah, heavy sigh. When I look exactly how I feel,
1: yeah. When I look at this Bears team, it's very hard not to just ask the question. What did they... And by they, I mean Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. What did they think they have... They had on this roster? What were they hoping to achieve this year? And and how did they think they could achieve it with what they had? Because here's the thing. we Honestly, this goes back to the draft, if you think about it, really. When we were talking yeah. about how... People think Ryan Poles plays 12-dimensional chess or whatever. Like, he, he's always thinking ahead. He's always doing this. He's always doing that. And we said, actually, if you look at it, he's kind of played things very straightforward. He's been very upfront and honest about what it is that he's doing. Uh, and that ended up being exactly what happened with us in this roster. We felt we did the thing that we told people not to do. Because we looked at this free agency, we looked at this draft, and we were like, okay, they must be wanting to build the defense a little differently than we think. They must be thinking about playing more press man than we expected. They must be thinking about disguising more coverages than we expected. They must be, their plan obviously, obviously, is to buy time with the back seven for the front four to get home instead of using the front four to rush the other team into getting rid of the ball that just that must be what they're doing that must be what he's thinking man like conventional wisdom says it's stupid to sign Tremaine Edmonds when he's going to be playing behind Justin Jones that's stupid so there must be something about it that's not stupid there must be a plan but it turns out it was just fucking stupid It was fucking stupid (laughs) They honest to God Looked at this roster Looked at this roster and thought They could play spot drop Basic ass 2004 fucking Madden Cover two Rush for Cover the middle of the field Keep two deep safeties back What the fuck who cares Don't give up the big play Make them work their way down the field they they, they they looked at what they had, and they thought that was the kind of defense they could play. And if that's the case, then it, it all gets worse in hindsight. Signing Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards is incredibly fucking stupid if you thought this was what how you were going to play defense. Drafting Tyreek Stevenson instead of trying to find a better defensive lineman or edge rusher or anything, if you're going to just ask him to play soft coverage and drop back 10 yards off every receiver is stupid so i just i don't know what they were thinking man i don't i mean i do know now they were they weren't thinking they were i'm gonna do the parent thing you weren't thinking that's what you weren't that's right you weren't thinking (laughs) you're all fucking morons i mean you bring up a great point
0: Um, Which is, we we were simply ascribing an an intelligent plan to these people Because the alternative was disastrous Uh, And we mentioned this once Little aside, on a podcast two months ago Where we were saying But man, I guess they couldn't be thinking any of that And it's possible that Iberflus and Getzi are both As shitty as they appeared they were in the first year But we gave them all those excuses And if they are, then the people they've signed you know, this is going to be a disaster. And uh, and that's exactly what it is. And you're 100% correct. Um, you know, we looked at this defense and we thought, well, Tyreek Stevenson, really what we want from him is press man. So, you know, if he's that good at that, maybe that's what the Bears are planning on doing. And then it makes sense how they built this roster to an extent. Um, you know, we looked at the offensive side of the ball. With Getzey, and we're like, look at all the weapons he's got. Well, we didn't really fix anything up front uh, on the interior, um, but maybe, maybe Whitehair showed him something. Maybe he'll be better than Mustafar, which we're gonna get to Mustafar in a minute. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe with the guards. Fuck maybe, me, man. Maybe Nate Davis and Tedd Jacobs. You know, we're gonna excuse their absences. Maybe, maybe they're gonna try to play a full season. Maybe the Bears know something we don't. Um, And instead it was just the Bears Just kind of going into this blind They went into it Jim Hendry style, Kyle They went into it and they thought Well, if everything works out Exactly the way that it could 100th percentile result This team could be good Um, So, and but yeah, I I mean, really Jim Hendry style Jim
1: Jim Hendry style is a good explanation for it It's also the way that, like, the White Sox Organization has operated the last few years Under Rick Hahn Um, where it's like, look, whatever the best professional season someone has put together, even if they've only done it one out of five times, like Tremaine Edmonds, uh, even if they've only, even if they haven't done it in two years, like Chase Claypool, whatever the best season that a guy has had, that's what you can count on, and that's actually what you have to count on for this plan to make any sense. Just assume it's going to go great, and also assume that everybody stays in perfect health even though that never happens and specifically with the guys you are hoping to have it happen for it never happens this offensive line I had a tweet yesterday and I literally said I'm just going to repeat what I said because the plan on the offensive line literally was okay we have a second year left tackle we don't actually know if he's any good or he was just pretty good for a rookie fifth rounder but he's not a rookie anymore he's now our starting left tackle it's year two we're hoping to have something good here so we're just going to roll with this left tackle and hope that he is much better. So we're we're counting on a level-up at left tackle. We're counting on a rookie right tackle to step in and be an immediate above-average pass protector, which happens like one out of every ten offensive tackles drafted in the first round. And then in the interior, our plan is for two guards who have never stayed healthy to stay healthy and play better than they ever have before. Because I love Tevin... I don't know that I love Tevin. I love the idea of Tevin. Um, and he had a lot of highlight hits last year. We all liked the big blocks, but he also whiffed a lot. He was not a consistent pass blocker, by any way. So you're counting on improvement from Tevin Jenkins, in addition to health that he's never shown. You're counting on improvement from Nate Davis, because last year was honestly his first good year as a pass blocker, too, in Tennessee. So, again, you're counting on that the best year of his career, The contract year, that that's what he's just going to give, bring forth every year. That's the effort you're going to get from him every year forward. And he's going to stay healthier than he has because this is a guy we talked about. He averaged 13 starts a year in Tennessee. So you're counting on him missing a month every year anyways, too. Well, you're not counting on it. You should count on it. We counted on it. We banked it. Ryan Post did not. Their plan was, yeah, no, all these guys are going to stay healthy, obviously. And then their other plan was, we'll move our... Our guard, Cody Whitehair Who has been injured and beaten up the last two seasons Is on the wrong side of 30 And ended last year As one of the worst guards in football We're just going to assume that moving him to center Fixes all of that But also our plan is to immediately move him back to guard The first time there's an injury To one of our injury prone guards That was the plan That was the, the plan And if it had all worked To perfection that's maybe the 20th best offensive line in football? Mm-hmm.
0: Could have been decent. That was, Could have been a decent... That was the line. best case... Well, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what happens when, when you plan on all five guys having this best case scenario. Two of them, in my opinion, have worked. Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright have looked good. We've had, we have two good tackles for maybe the second time in my life. <laughs> but guess what? That's two out of five guys... It's a 60% failure rate still, and the
1: line is still absolutely useless. And, as we've talked about, the interior offensive line sucking will break your offense faster than two bad tackles. Every time. If you're a quarterback, especially a quarterback like Justin, who has to think through literally everything, we'll get to Justin later too, but... For all the problems that Justin has In the pocket to begin with The last thing you want Is for this kid to be immediately moved Off of his drop spot Every fucking time And it happens still Way too damn much The, plan can never, the, the play can never go as called Even if the receivers run the right routes We'll get to that later too, I'm sure If Even if everything goes, goes right And the tackles hold up If the center is immediately getting beat And Justin is shuffling his feet And moving And having to rip and step up Which he doesn't do well to begin with Right off the jump, the timing's already fucked. The play is already fucked. And we know he's struggling to adjust when the timing is fucked. Mm-hmm. So it's just, the honest to God, the last Bears GM who understood the importance of the interior offensive line was Phil Emery. And I'll talk about Phil a little bit, too, because we were going to talk about Ryan Poles specifically. Because um, I think one of the defense, we don't, fuck it, I'll just do it right now. This is all. This is all a rant, right? This is stream of consciousness. We're just ranting. There's no organization here. Okay. So let's talk about Ryan Poles for a second. So, the rumors, the general scuttlebutt, the general idea is that, like, this season, if it goes the way it looks like it's going to go from here, barring a miracle turnaround, Justin Fields is probably fucked as quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Which, who knows, might end up being the best thing that's ever happened to him. Maybe he goes. To the Atlanta Falcons. And Arthur Smith creates the greatest rushing attack. That we've ever seen in NFL history. I don't know. But Justin Fields is probably done as quarterback of the Chicago Bears. If this year plays out the way we expect it to. From here on out. Matt is Luke Getze. The lot of them are all fucked. They're gone. Um, the only question is. Does Ryan Poles go down with the ship that he built? And... And there are people out there right now defending him uh, because they said, well, Ryan Poles is the first GM we've had in a while who understands process and understands the big picture. And I will agree with that to an extent. I think Ryan Poles has a modern understanding of how the salary cap works. I think Ryan Poles has a modern understanding of... Like draft value Like where you should take positions How you should value those positions What is worth a high pick What isn't worth a high pick I think Ryan Poles Understands The value of drafting He he understands a lot of the macro parts Of being a general manager Mm -hmm. But as an evaluator of talent And coaching He's proven to be an unmitigated Disaster He so, let's say he did hire Matt Eberflus, and there's dis- there's debate whether he actually did. The, the accepted rumor now seems to be that he was given a list of three coaches, Jim Caldwell, Matt Eberflus, or Dan Quinn, and he chose Matt Eberflus. I will agree, Ryan, that's not a good buffet to choose from, and yet yeah, I still think you maybe picked the worst option. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. we can all agree Jim Jim Caldwell probably would have been better for Justin Fields, at least. Uh, That's for sure. And Dan, Quinn, Dan Quinn's been to a Super Bowl, and he's built good defenses that don't just sit back in 2004-ass-cover-two-spot-drop coverages um, and get their asses mm-hmm. handed to him cool. over and over. Um, but let's say he, he did pick the coach. He made a horrible decision there. He traded the 32nd overall pick for Chase Claypool. That looks like one of the worst trades in NFL history at the moment. Uh, yes. He has spent the equivalent of five second round picks because last year he spent two second round picks on Kyle Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. We don't know if either of them are any fucking good because they've been mediocre to bad when they've played and they also keep getting fucking hurt. He spent a second round pick on Chase Claypool. Honestly that one could arguably considered to be a, a first round pick. In most years pick thirty two is a first round pick, but also we'll just say it's a second round pick here. He said that on Chase Claypool. That's a complete bust. He spent a second-round pick on Tyreek Stevenson. Tyreek looks kind of promising at times, but he also looks horrible at other times, and nothing else. He doesn't seem to make a lot of sense for the way they are choosing to play him.
0: Tyreek's doing kind of what I said he did in college, basically, right? Sometimes he just gets tied up around himself, and he he blows a big play. Um, But most of the time, he looks very good. But, yeah, I mean, he's completely out of passion. But don't worry. Again, it isn't gonna yeah. be the defense next year, folks, so Again,
1: it's it's going back to what we thought they were gonna do based on the moves they made versus what they're actually doing. Because when you look at Tyreek Stevenson, you're like, oh wow, Tyreek dominated in press man coverage, but he was pretty bad in zone. They must be wanting to play more press man. But guess what? They're not. They're That's just like, gonna ask this dude to play in zone where he's not good. They're asking to play in zone in a defense that gets no pressure with their front four. It's, it's just overwhelmingly stupid. And it tells you that nobody, nobody in this organization is properly evaluating the talent they have. So anyways, so Tyreek Stevenson, I don't know. I would say right now that's not a good use of a pick and it's not even really Tyreek's fault. But like, why would you use that pick on that player just to use him like this? And then you have Jervin Dexter, who, you know, is a long-term, long-haul project. Um, but they apparently want it, mean, he's basically already starting for them. And he's getting pushed around more often than not. He's not getting a lot of good pass rush. Um, and then you have Zach Pickens, who's just been a nothing so far. And Zach Pickens, yes, technically a third-round pick, but pick 64, usually second. That's, that's the equivalent of five second-round picks spent on... Chase Brisker, Gordon, Claypool, Tyreek Stevenson, Jervin Dexter, Zach Pickens. Is there any one of those five players taken with five second-round picks that you feel confident is going to be a star for the Bears at any point? Is there one? Yeah, I mean, at this point, not maybe, um, not maybe, but that you feel confident is going to be a very good NFL player. Well, here's the problem. And here's the issue. You brought up Phil
0: Emery. I wanted to bring up Phil Emery, too. I think I know exactly where you're going with this. The last time we had a disconnect, it feels like, between a GM and a head coach like we have right now was with Phil Emery. Emery drafted a bunch of guys, and we assumed a certain defense was going to be played. A certain play-calling style was going to be initiated. Shea McClellan was the victim back then. The only reason you draft a Shea McClellan, right, is to run a three-four, have him stand up, run around the edge, pure pass rush kind of guy. Nothing else makes sense for Shea McClellan. And then what happened? They came in, they made Mel Tucker run an offense. um, That I'm sorry, I was trying to think of a Mel Tucker joke. Uh, They they made Mel Tucker run a defense he wasn't comfortable with, and it got stupid because Emery didn't communicate. It seemed like with the coach, he didn't know what the coach needed, and he wasn't there to give the uh, coach his tools. And I don't think... I think at this point what we can safely assume is Poles doesn't give a shit what the defensive coach is going to do. He's just going to draft the player he likes the most at that position. And Tyreek is a great example of that. I can't evaluate Tyreek right now. He's not playing the right defense. Not only is he not playing the right defense, he's playing a defense that I don't think any defender in the NFL right now, any combination of defenders, if they had to run it every single play could succeed at, I think they would fail. So it's yeah. very difficult for me to tell you, is Tyreek going to be great? Is Jaquan going to be great? Is Kyler yeah. Gordon going to be great? Because I, how do you succeed in, a, in yeah. fucking Tampa 2, base Tampa 2, against Patrick Mahomes, Kyle? They just kept yeah. running it out there. Uh, Greg Olsen is blowing us up on the entire broadcast. Like, how dare you do cover 2 the entire game against Pat Mahomes? how ridiculous how like how how absurd to continue to run this goddamn defensive scheme and of course we get destroyed out there so i the more i've thought about it this week and the week before the less i've been able to assign blame to any of these players because i it's hard for me to think how are they going to succeed how are they supposed to succeed running this this defense and i mean we'll get to the offense i don't know how they're supposed to succeed running this yeah. offense either
1: so, yeah, Phil Emery, that's, that actually was not the Phil Emery point I was going to make. But, yes, okay. that is part of it, yes. they Phil Phil was drafting players who seemed to fit a modern, multiple, disguised looks, 3-4 defense. But he had a coach that was trying to run the most basic ass cover, too. Ryan Poles seems to be doing the same thing. He's drafting... Press man, guys, he's drafting all this stuff for a, that doesn't fit the scheme his coach wants to run. Um, it, so that doesn't make any sense. But the other thing I was going to say is that Phil Emery, I thought, and we were really optimistic about Phil at one point in time because Phil talked the talk and he really did seem to have a modern, big-picture understanding of what they needed to do as an organization. He was an early adopter of analytics. He was one of the first gm's to officially contract with pro football focus and with football outsiders he talked about analytics Talked about the value of analytics he hired an offensive head coach he granted he hired the worst possible one he could but he did hire an offensive head coach he understood and and all the guys he interviewed i mean i think the three finalists were arians tressman and mike mccoy all three were offensive-minded head coaches the only time a coaching search in bears history the three finalists were all offensive guys. He had a clear understanding of where the franchise needed to go. He built a good offensive line, and he built it on the interior. Got Kyle Long. He spent a premium pick to get Kyle Long at guard. He signed Matt Slauson to play guard as well. And he talked about building. He hired Aaron Cromer, who for all of his faults is generally a very good offensive line coach. Um, and he talked about the importance of building the pocket inside out. He did all these things. Phil had a very good macro understanding of what modern football was and how you needed to build your organization. And it we don't remember Phil Emery as a good GM because he fucking wasn't. Because there's another part of the job, which is evaluating talent and evaluating coaches and making smart free agent signings and managing the people in your building. And it doesn't fucking matter if you GM by the book, if you GM by the advanced analytics, if you GM all the ways... That spreadsheet nerds want you to, if you fuck up the actual details of the job at every juncture, and guess who has fucked up the details of the job at every juncture? Ryan Poles. That these free agent signings are all abysmal. Yep. He fucking Fair. he cost them a comp pick last year because he just had to have fucking Qadin Muhammad and Byron Pringle, <clears throat> who were worse than nothing for the Bears.
0: Yep.
1: He. He, the free agent signings this year. What has Tremaine Walker done? Have you noticed anything? Demarcus right. Walker, sorry. Demarcus what, Walker? What has Demarcus Walker Have been, you noticed anything? Yeah, Demarcus Walker has been useless. Justin Jones, still useless. Yeah. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe hasn't done shit. Um, Rasheen Green, getting pushed around. Jermaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, we've already talked about them. Not a single free agent signing there. And on the offensive side of the ball, Nate Davis. Now, I'll give him a little bit of a pass here if he's apparently had a death in the family that's really thrown him. That's just unfortunate. But still, Nate Davis has not panned out at all. Uh, And offensively, I mean, there's been nothing yet from Robert Tanyan. There has been nothing really – I mean, Mercedes Lewis, I guess, is still blocking. Good for him. There's been nothing – I mean, they don't even really seem to know how to use DJ Moore. So – what what you're you're fucking up everything. I, I can't yeah. and so and I and I so I understand the area of people are like, well, he needs to pick his own coach this time and he's really rebuilt the war chest. He's got he understands the value of draft it's fine, you can understand the value of draft picks and still be the wrong fucking guy to make the choices with those draft picks. I've seen nothing nothing from Ryan Poles as an evaluator of talent that makes me feel comfortable giving him the power to run The next draft I think You You toss Ryan Poles out With the bathwater, And if the Bears End up winning the Super Bowl With all those picks He helped them stockpile You thank him In a press note afterwards The way Theo Epstein After the Cubs won the World Series Theo Epstein shouted out Jim Hendry For Wilson Contreras And Javi Baez And Jim was like Thanks for saying that But they wouldn't have won That World Series If they had kept Jim Hendry And fucking Jim Hendry Knows that So If Ryan Poles and the picks he left you with end up helping you win a Super Bowl, that's fine. You have the next GM thank him later, but you don't let him use those picks. The fact that he has acquired those picks is not reason enough alone to let him actually make a decision with those picks. I have seen nothing from Ryan Poles that gives me faith that he should even keep his job. Actually, I've seen far more stuff that makes me wonder if this guy is just completely out of his depth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the one saving grace here is our president is now Kevin Warren. Um, Both of us are Big Ten fans. We know, like, Kevin Warren and how he deals with things pretty well. Um, The number one thing that you know about Kevin Warren is he is not a tolerator of bullshit. Uh, He he is the kind of guy who is going to look, frankly, at his GM and his head coach and his entire organization and say, this is a dumpster fire. I'm going to get rid of everybody involved in this dumpster fire. Um, so I suspect Ryan Poles will not last, um, but you hit on a good point. Uh, I mean, when you when you consider any of the actual moves, the micro, I guess you're talking about he's been pretty decent at the macro, he's been pretty decent at the draft as far as we can tell, although obviously we don't know if any of these guys are 100% going to pan out, um, but... The trade for Claypool, awful, obviously, just a hideous trade. We could have used that pick on Joey Porter Jr. and then not traded up for Tyreek Stevenson. We could have used it on a guard. We could have used it on a center. Um, you know, John Michael Schmitz, like, we uh, we could have used it in any other way. Um, we, you know, the one good signing he's made has maybe been Andrew Billings, who has been fine um, and hasn't really helped his defensive line at all. Every other signing he's made on the defensive line has been an unmitigated disaster. Um, just just absolutely unhelpful in every way. Justin Jones is an, a monstrous negative. Rasheen Green is a cipher. He's useless. Um, Demarcus Walker is a guy who everybody uh, thought was just the beneficiary of playing next to an incredibly strong defensive lineman, and that appears to have panned out. Yannick Ngakwe is trying his best. He's definitely the best defensive lineman we've got, but he's never been a guy who can hold a defensive line down. That's why he moves around from team to team as a pass rush specialist. Um, And the list goes on and on. This dude's free agent signings are awful, almost universally. Um, he, He is not putting together a team. He's just signing dudes. He's not even signing dudes for the right positions. And I left the worst one for last because I really want to focus a little bit more on these linebackers. If there is one thing that should have been good about this team this year... That should have been better about this team. And somehow this fucking team is not better. This team feels worse than it was last year. But if there's one thing that should have been good, it was those linebackers. And Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards have sucked. I Travis Kelsey was open the entire game. And I know we're running the cover two, and I know it's... It, we're on the back foot here, but they were completely out of position. They weren't anywhere near where they were supposed to fucking be the entire game. They seemed lost. Uh, they they don't seem able to tackle. Um, Tremaine Edmonds' uh, pass coverage from last year doesn't seem to have carried over to the Bears at all. Um, like I said, he just seems, he doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing. And it's possible that's just coaching. But God, man, if Poles were going to hang his hat on something, it would have been these linebackers, right? I fixed linebacker. That's what... It's a shitty thing to hang your head on. But that's what he should have been hanging his head on.
1: And it's been one of the worst parts of this team. Linebacker is literally... Matt Eberflus is literally a linebacker coach. Yeah. Like, I'm already at the, like, you're a defensive coordinator. Why does your defense suck? But, like, even if that part... Even if the defense as a whole is going to suck, the thing that you are known for specifically is being a linebackers coach. How are the linebackers this bad? Literally. <laughs>
0: they were great last year in different places. Tremaine yeah. Edmonds was amazing. TJ Edwards might have even been better. He was a top three linebacker by PFF last year with the Eagles. And they suck. They, they have sucked this year. It's not just the defensive line. I mean, if you go by PFF grades, our linebackers have been worse than our defensive line. Like Javon Dexter, um, who you brought up, it was like the third highest rated bear against the Chiefs. He had a very nice game. He's obviously coming along. I don't think this defense should be coaching him at all. I would fire these guys emergency style. We have too many young dudes on this defense for them to be poisoned by uh, apparently a pervert who's already been released. And fucking Eberflus, who's obviously an idiot. And, I mean, we got to talk more about Eberflus. We've covered the GMs. We brought up Phil Emery. Yeah, let's... This guy is nothing.
1: He is nothing. So, let's, let's talk about Matt Eberflus in terms of... Okay, so... When they hired him, we were sold basically three things about him. One, brilliant defensive mind... I think we can agree that hasn't materialized. That's a bullshit. Uh, and, I mean, now, at the time, when we were talking about
0: this, because neither of us really liked the Eberfus hire, we were not enthusiastic about it, one of the things we brought up is this dude has had a top-ten defense one time as a defensive coordinator, and he was ninth. He had multiple seasons in the 20s with the
1: Colts. Yeah. Um, and And this is a guy who has gotten to spend the majority of what they have spent over two off seasons on his side of the ball. Like I said, we are talking, they've had, they've had what? So they had two picks in the second round last year, and then they had three picks, four picks in the top 64 this year. So this, they have five of six picks that they have made in the top 64 of two drafts have been on the defensive side of the ball. The vast, with the exception of Nate Davis, every single multi-year free agent contract they have given out has been on defense. Plus, Yannick Ngakwe, who was a one-year deal but a ten million-dollar one. Yep. Yeah. Um, every single major contract, except for Nate Davis, that they have given out has been on the defensive side of the ball. The vast majority of the investments that they have made in picks and cash, at a time when we would have liked to have seen basically all of that poured into the offense. My argument was, fix the offense first, figure out exactly what you have in Justin Fields in a good environment, and if your defense sucks, whatever, you can fix Then You have all your picks stockpiled and all your cash stockpiled. You can put a defense together quickly. You really can. The funny part is, is the Bears spent all their resources on defense, and they still have the bad defense that I envision in this scenario, where they spent everything on offense. We still so, have the worst defense in the NFL. How
0: is that possible? <clears throat> like, two years running, the Chicago Bears have the worst defense in the NFL. We've spent all this money and all these draft picks, like you said, on it. There has been no traction. If anything, again, they're somehow worse than they were last year.
1: So there, there, there have been some goalposts moving among people who aren't quite ready, for whatever reason, to give up on the whole thing. Um, and I've seen a lot of people say like, well, this was never going to be a playoff team. I, and I'm like, that's fine. I don't think anybody specifically said they have to make the playoffs this year. My expectation was eight and nine. um, But you don't just go from two, three and 14 seasons to the playoffs next year, if that's the plan, because the plan was playoffs by year three or whatever. You have to start building this year off of what you did last year they have to show progress and they have not only not shown any kind of progress they are quite arguably worse at everything yeah every single thing than they were last year when they were trying to lose games on purpose
0: i mean all we've done really is lose the rushing advantage right like that's really the only thing that's changed is our rush offense is now significantly
1: worse yeah, so... That's it. Yeah, so Matt refluenced the defensive side of the ball. So the defensive coordinator, defensive guru part, that was complete bullshit. The other thing we were told is, like, the CEO coach, like, he was going to delegate really responsibly. Um, but he doesn't seem to have any idea. I mean, we talked about it in the Packers game. There was that goal line series, or there was that red zone series where DJ Moore got them into the red zone, and then he was pulled out of the game for some reason. And it was Wednesday after the game, and he was asked about it. And Matt Eberflew still did not know why. So, like, if you're gonna be a CEO coach, if you're gonna pay more attention to all sides of the ball than like Lovey Smith did, you should know that about your offense. You should know that about the personnel, about why they're being used the way they did. Um, and then the other, the last thing we we're told is that he's a leader of men. He's a mentor. He's going to create a culture. So, without touching whatever is going on with the defensive coordinator, who may or not be on the run from the Federales right now, yeah. um, just going into the locker room culture, you have Chase Claypool, who I have heard is already screaming uh, at Luke Getze and Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach. They, You have just Chase Claypool's effort in general. You have... All of the other, I mean, you, you've got guys like Chase Claypool, you have Nate Davis who doesn't believe in practicing apparently, you have conflict among other guys, you have people giving zero effort. It's it's incredible the how much of a failure it is to have your, like, I'll give this to Greg Schiano. he sucks ass, but like... He did walk the walk as the whole tough disciplinarian guy. Like, he did bust ass in Tampa. Everybody fucking hated him. But he certainly was a tyrant. Like, if that's your thing, I don't think that should be your thing. I would never hire a coach where that's his thing. But if that's your thing, like, that should at least be your thing. You can't build your whole pitch off of defense and culture and have neither defense or a culture. So, like, literally just the most... What is it you would say you do here. And he's also now, due to circumstances, directly calling the defensive plays. So, like, when when the reckoning comes for him, when they ask him, like, he's got nothing to throw in front of him. He can't even say, well, the defensive coordinator wasn't running my defense. Because you're you're now your own defensive coordinator. And he can't cite the culture. He can't cite anything. So, it's... and, And I bitched about this, honestly, when the Bears first passed on George Pickens in the draft. Because my argument is... If your pitch is that you're a leader and you're a mentor, then you should not be the guy who's only taking Boy Scouts. Like, if your competitive advantage that you claim to offer is that you can coach them up and that you can teach these guys how to buy in, then you should be risking it all for top-tier talents who need that. So you should be considering the George Pickens and the Jalen Carters of the world, if that's truly your advantage. Because you know who's a guy that actually does that? Mike Tomlin. And that has been a huge competitive advantage for the Steelers is that Mike Tomlin will take your dude that everyone says is a malcontent, that everyone says won't play, that will give piss poor effort. And he makes stars out of them. And and even he got frustrated and gave up on Chase Claypool, which should have been a red fucking flag. Um, But he's made the Antonio Browns work for a long time. He's made the Ben Roethlisberger's work. He's made George Pickens work. Like, if that's your competitive advantage... That's, if, if you're a leader, then fucking lead. If you're telling me you're only going to draft a guy who was an Eagle Scout and is a coach's kid and a four-year starter and all that shit and that, like, you know is already just self-motivated, then why do we need you? What is it you bring to the table here if we're only drafting players who basically don't need coaching? What's, what's your fucking thing? If, you're, if your whole thing is that you—like, that should be your competitive advantage. That, that's what you're supposed to bring to the table— you should be the guy taking swings on a George Pickens and saying, look, he, sure, he's got an attitude, but he this guy's got number one wide receiver talent, and I can fix him. I can get him to play. But you don't even have enough confidence in yourself. And to be clear, the results that we have seen show he's right not to have that confidence in himself. He's bad at it. But that goes to show you that his whole fucking thing is bullshit, and therefore there is no reason, there's no reason to even keep him past today. He should be gone already. Whatever, man. Fucking bring in Lovey Smith. Let him be the guy who caretakes this clubhouse for the rest of the season, and then hire a real coach next year. But like, I can't look at Matt Eberflus and figure out one fucking thing this guy does. Not even a bad idea.
0: Bringing in Lovey Smith for the rest of the season because he would be very familiar with what's going on. on I know
1: that sounds. I know that sounds like the most meatball (laughs) suggestion ever, and I I assure you, I don't say it out of fondness for Lovey. It's just the kind of thing where it's like, look, if you need someone who actually is a person who can manage a clubhouse that's lost everything, Lovey is actually good at that. Like, well, you you bring up Lovey. I mean, <clears> I, <throat> I sent
0: you a, a text uh, after the game last week, uh, which I think was something like, "Say what you will about the tenets of Dick Duran, but at least that guy had a fucking ethos." Uh, it, like you said, Iberflus has nothing to hang his hat on, right? Every Bears coach, Lovie Smith, he was a player's coach, like Dan Campbell is for the Lions. He's a guy whose main uh, advantage is dudes would die for him, he would, right? Yep. And, and that you want that out of a head coach. Like Dick Duran, if you brought him into an, offense, into an office and said, what do you do here? He's like, well, I have an ethos. We're going to play hard defense. We're going to matriculate the ball down the field slowly. You may not like it. But the idea is to burn out the other team. Mark Tressman, terrible coach. Dude had a fucking eat. We all knew what Mark Tressman was about. Yeah. I can't tell you anything that Eberflus is about. If you in, in a year, you're gonna ask me like, so what was Eberflus's deal? And I'm gonna be like, it was nothing. He did nothing. He stood there. His idea of being a head coach was just doing press conferences. Like he doesn't seem to have an opinion. He doesn't seem to know what's going on with the offense. He only seems to know what's going on the defense in the sense that he's now calling the plays. But the play calling for one game against the Bucks, for maybe a half, he was calling more blitzes. Guys were moving around, and then he went straight back. He turtled like every Bears coach does eventually, and he just went back to what he knows, and he's been running the cover two, the Tampa two ever since. He There's no reason for him to be here because there's, like you said, there's nothing for him to hang his hat on. Dick. He doesn't do anything.
1: Dick Duron and Greg Blash's defense would unironically be a better fit for the personnel that they have Yes, than what Matt Eberflus is trying to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, Because, I mean, Dick, yeah.
1: Dick ran a 4-3 and was the kind of guy who actually didn't use his front four to get pressure. His defensive linemen were mostly there to occupy blockers, and he did a lot of his pass rushing with, you know, Roosevelt Colvin and, and Brian Urlacher. That would be a better use of the personnel we have than what Matt Berflus is doing. It would be, honest to God. And that defense is 20 years out of date, but it still would be better. Um, but yeah, he Iberflus at this point is literally, he is Trestman, but probably worse. Because Trestman at least had that one year where we did see his offense work, but like, he is the exact same level of wiener that Trestman is. Like, It's clear that not one person in that building actually respects Mark Tre- or. I'm already mixing Matt Eberflus for one second. Nobody. I have to imagine when that guy talks to Justin Fields, Justin Fields just rolls his fucking eyes. And I don't think Justin Fields is generally a, a rolls-his-fucking-eyes kind of guy, but he does.
0: Well, look at Justin calling out the whole team. We can move on to Justin if you'd like. Calling out the entire team, the entire coaching staff, and what was the coaching staff's response? Well, I'm glad he's talking. I'm I'm glad he's out there being fiery. Like this is the kind of pushover, bitch ass losers running this fucking team. This is why it. This is why we're so soft. This is why Chase Claypool gets to do whatever he wants. Um, and by the, he did get open against Kansas City. It seemed like he was trying hard. I don't know why the fuck you would for this team or these coaches, um, but they have no respect because they're not worthy of respect. Yeah. Because they're fine with their players running over them. From everything that I can tell. Um, so I. Should we talk about Justin? Should we... I mean, that's the elephant in the room, right? What do we think about Justin right now?
1: (sighs) So, look. I don't know who's out there still hanging on to that dream. I'm pretty sure it's dead, guys. Uh, There is, to me, there's one difference between Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields, in my opinion. I was never a person that believed, even in the best of circumstances, Mitch Trubisky was ever going to be it. I think there is an alternate universe out there... Where somebody drafts Justin Fields and doesn't fuck him up. But the Bears have fucked him up. And history tells us that with the exception of, like, Alex Smith, once a guy is fucked like that, he does not ever become unfucked. Maybe a Geno Smith-like resurrection someday. But they have broken this kid to the point where he is fighting his own instincts on the things that he does well. And the things that he doesn't do well are just grinding him completely to a halt. It's definitely not something that can be fixed in-season. It's probably something that will never be fixed. It's a tragedy. It is a Shakespearean tragedy. And, and in your... I, I said this, too. Like, in your heart, you knew it was over the minute Matt Bifloos was hired for Justin Fields. You knew that. When, it, when J- Matt Bifloos was hired, we both had the same reaction. We were both like, God damn it. They're doing it again. They're going to give this kid to a defensive coach... Who has nothing invested in him. They're going to underinvest in him. They're going to teach him bad habits. They're, they're fucking him. But you don't want to just give up right then and there. You don't want to. You, so you talk yourself into it. You rationalize it. He had some moments last year. But at the end of the day, it's exactly what we thought, man. They made every bad decision you can make for a second-year quarterback last year. They made every single one. And they yeah, would, I mean, uh, and we when said they Getzy, when they brought in Getze,
0: When they brought in Getze, one of the things that Eberflus said that I really liked was he he interviewed a ton of offensive coordinator candidates, and the only guy who said he was going to build an offense specifically around Justin Fields, around developing Justin Fields, and around getting the most out of him was Luke Getze, and that's why he hired him. And that I felt great about that. I still love that answer. It turns out it was bullshit, uh, but I. <laughs> I love that answer. That's the way you have to do it. Um, but the thing is, I, Iberflus would never step in because he's not the kind of guy to say, "Hey, you're not doing the thing I said." Hey, well, you're I, not actually trying to develop this guy. This is what we're doing with this offense. Well, right? and Matty's very is yeah. much what Tressman did to Cutler, right? It's well, you're a, asking a guy to go against his better instincts, and you just break him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you can't. When it comes to coaching, I, I firmly believe you have to build everything around what a guy does well and, and, and what his positives are, and you have to hope the negatives kind of take care of themselves. And Tressman did this with Jay, where, like I said, I knew the deep down in my soul, the minute I knew the 2014 Bears were fucked was when they asked Mark Trestman what his goal was for Jay Cutler in 2014, and he cited a specific number with his completion percentage. I think it was 68%. He said, I want him to complete 68% of his passes. And I said, that's awful because completion percentage should never be the end goal of an offense. It's a byproduct and if you if that's your goal, you'll try to make that goal happen, and it will it will end up very poorly. And that's exactly what happened. Tressman tried; he coached to that. There were bubble screens, there were checkdowns, there were there were so many passes designed for Matt Forte behind the line of scrimmage. And and in the end, Jay still threw fourteen interceptions because Jay's gonna Jay. But you had neutered all of the big plays from the year before that had offset that and let you still be a top five scoring offense. And it's the same with Justin Fields. They they drilled into this kid's head like, hey, check down's better than an interception. They drilled into his head like, hey, X number of seconds, the ball's gotta be out, or you've got or you've gotta check it down. What they should have just done is built the I mean what I thought they were gonna do is build the offense. They were gonna take the post mini buy offense that they had last year that was built around the QB run and the threat of the QB run. They were going to keep that, but they were going to have the added bonus of when they went play action this year. DJ Moore was there. Darnell Mooney was there. Chase Claypool was there. When you go play action off of that, people should actually be open this year, unlike last year. And you will also hopefully have enough offensive protection that you can do some deep drop PA stuff. And then as you do that, you can slowly expand your drop back game. Through the process after Justin has established that he's comfortable with that offense first, I mean the, this is exactly what the Eagles do with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is is developed as as a lot of people would say he's a fourth year quarterback. He's been to Super Bowl, he damn near one MVP. The Eagles still, if you watch an Eagles game, they their number one goal is to keep that guy out of having to be in a true drop back pass situation. They call games. So that every single snap, if possible, they want you to think, look, there are three things that can happen on this snap. Our running back's going to keep the ball. Jalen's going to keep the ball. Jalen's going to throw the ball. You've got to defend all three of those things on every single play. They do everything they can to stay out of a situation where you know the only real option is that Jalen Hurts has to throw the ball. The Bears did not do that. They did not. I thought this whole offense was going to be about the threat of Justin Fields running the football. And making defenses sell out to stop that, to open up cutback lanes for the running back, and to open up in opportunities in play action where you know what you're going to get because you're already dictating that the defense has to be in a single high safety look, and that they have to give you that stuff on the perimeter. And they just didn't do that. They are automatically punting the run game. They're not good at it. They're not committed to it. And meanwhile, as a dropback passer, you're asking... Justin Fields to play like Aaron Rodgers which he'll never do which he never has meant to do which he's never done at any level um they just gave all that up and and my rule of offense is that like if there's something you're very good at even if it's running the ball like no we it's been bad having Bears coaches who think that run the ball play defense is the way you win games the thing is if you have a QB run game if you have that an explosive runner like Justin Fields that is not the same as 3 yards in a cloud of dust. You can build an explosive scoring offense around the threat of the QB run. The Panthers did it with Cam, the Ravens have done it with Lamar. You can use that as the base of your offense and you can build everything around off of that. And they just voluntarily surrendered that advantage. They gave it away and they fucked everything in the process. And I'm not saying that that it's not all Justin, that it's not Justin Fields fault at all because they're using him wrong. There are things he's still not doing that at year three, as a quarterback, as a passer, he should be able to do. That's always going to be his fault. At the same time, he's consistently put into position to have to try to do those things that he's not good at because of how stupidly this offense is being built around him for sure. It makes nothing that they're trying to achieve on either side of the ball. As a stated philosophy, even if it was working, makes sense to me i do not know why even in your wildest dreams this is the game that you would call on either side of the ball with these players i don't know what these coaches are thinking ever at any minute for one second it makes no sense to me not one goddamn second and like you said about dick Duron, at least it's an ethos i fucking knew what john shoop was trying to do yeah he was not... He's not doing the Luke Yetzi thing where it looks like... Again, where it looks like he's playing Madden. Where it's the random... It's the late... Late stage Navy did the same thing. Where it's like you're not... There's no sequencing. There's no game plan. You're not dictating to the opponent. You're not going off tendencies. You are just going through your playbook and going... I don't know. Maybe this one's good. I knew what John Shoup was trying to do. I knew what his philosophy was. Uh, one of the funniest stories that Dick Duran ever told is he was... At, or John Shoup ever told. He was asked, like, what was his favorite moment as an offensive coordinator and you would think as an offensive coordinator you would find like your highest scoring game or your best play call John Shoup's answer was that the Bears had a lead one time and Dick Jerron told him through the headset like I want to be home eating dinner by 5 o'clock and John Shoup made it happen by running out the clock efficiently so like John Shoup had a plan it was a bad one but he had a plan I can tell what they're doing I don't know I, I still there's not been a single Bears game this year where I'm like look even if this looked worked as it was drawn up, I don't know why the fuck you would draw that up. I don't know what you're hoping to achieve here. I don't know why you think you can achieve it with these personnel. I don't know why you'd use it against that defense. I don't know why you'd think the defense would respect it. It's just a complete cascading failure at every level. They don't know what they have as an organization. They don't know who they are as an organization.
0: Yeah, I think... Um... Uh, so one of the things I've been looking at more closely just across the NFL, um, I think every good offense in the league, you can tell by observing the run game. How creative is it, right? Because uh, uh, just if you're running a basic-ass run game, you're probably a pretty bland-ass play caller just in general. You're probably running a pretty bland-ass game, and you probably don't really know what you're doing. Um, we looked at, we, we watched the Bills. We watched the Bills run all over us in the preseason, I pointed out, like, their run game's very interesting. The way that they're moving guys around, the way they're anticipating where defenders are going, and our defense had no answer for it. It's fucking cover two. Um, uh, but you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Lions. When they do run the ball, notice how interesting the play is, how intricate the design is. There's always a point for where everybody is going. When we hand the ball off this year, we are handing the ball to Khalil Herbert, We are handing the ball to Roshan Johnson, and we are saying, good luck. We are having all of our blockers block straight ahead. They aren't trying to open any specific hole. They're just blocking. Like, they're just out there doing nothing. And it's all on the running back to try to make something. Um, And it's been a disaster so far. Like, Roshan has pulled off some really incredible runs, and I assure you, they're more incredible when you look at just how bland the play design has been. These are plays that I recognize from junior high football. Uh, literally. Like, there's nothing spectacular about them. It's basic bullshit. Well, hold on. And that's, you and I went
1: to the same junior high, okay, right. and that system was Pat Elder's Delaware Eye, and that run game is a hell of a lot more fucking creative than what Luke Getzey is doing on a weekly basis right now. Alright? <laughs> I don't see I don't see the Rip 34 trap
0: getting run out there, Kyle. Yeah. Alright. All I see out there is fucking dives. Uh <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's there's no creativity. And let's look at the past plays. It's gotten worse every week. I haven't seen a goddamn offensive coordinator turtle this fast, maybe in Bears history. Like, we had multiple plays where I was texting you Kyle right after the play, like, Justin is throwing the ball. There are two guys downfield. There are only four guys being rushed. Where is he supposed to go? It was DJ Moore and Cole Komet on multiple plays. Two guys downfield. Everybody else is, like, blocking or off to the side. Like, clearly not trying to get open. And I there's no... I don't understand the play design. I don't understand the goal. And that's that's pretty much what this whole offense is with Ketsy right now. There's no goal. It's just pick a play and... Hopefully, you get some yards out of it, right? Somebody will get open. Now, Maybe the running back will get uh, uh, five yards. I don't
1: know. To be clear, to to defend Luke Getzey a little bit, which I'm not generally inclined to do.
0: Sure, go for it.
1: I think part of the problem is that our quarterback has consistently shown that there are certain routes he just will not throw. Yes. He won't throw that backside dig. He won't throw that over the ball route to commit. So the the middle of the field right now is seems to be off limits when it comes to the passing game, which causes you to call a game where the middle of the field is off limits, which just it's it's a negative feedback loop where Getzi is not calling plays that Justin Fields has a high chance of success on, but when he when they're there, Justin Fields is not throwing the fucking football. That's what it yep. they Now again, I will go to my grave saying that they that they broke Justin Fields. You can go back His rookie year, you can watch him versus Pittsburgh. You can watch him versus Minnesota. That is a different football player. He didn't know what he was looking at always. He didn't know, but he was not afraid when he did to throw the fucking football like he is now. And I do think they they broke that. They broke that, and they've got to deal with the consequences of that. But again, it's just nothing, nothing works on any level, on any side of the ball, at any point and I just to wrap this whole thing up I don't think there's any answer but to fucking get rid of them all and for once the Bears had an opportunity to do something that we've said that they, they never do if Kevin Warren just decides he has had enough of this shit and God knows I wouldn't blame him he could clean out all of them he could the president without hiring a search firm led by fucking Bill Polian or Ernie Acorsi or Marv Levy, I don't know, I think he's still alive at 95 years old or whatever the fuck. You know, just pick out the oldest football coach that might actually have personally known George Hallis, I'm assuming is what they did, and let him pick. Let let the president pick his own GM, let the GM pick his own fucking coach, and let that coach pick his own quarterback in the draft. They have an opportunity to do that for the first time, maybe ever. Maybe since for the first time since Hallis chose... Finks chose Ditka. chose Actually, I think Hallis directly chose Ditka over his own GM's involvements. but even that one doesn't work. But they have an opportunity here to sink all of those important positions up, and they have two first round picks. They have a war. They have a lot of cap space. I mean, there's never been a better time. This is that is the one difference between the Tressman era and now. Because people ask me which feels worse, this or the Tressman era. And honest to God, I think the on field product right now is worse than what Tressman had miraculously but they're not as fucked as they were if they hit the reset. after. Because after Trustman they had nothing. There was no quarterback to take. There was nothing to do. They were just going to be in the shit for a couple years. Right now, they have an opportunity. If they make a clean break, they can start over, truly start over. A good draft to be having a quarterback and a pick in the top five, which they might have too. Might. Good at, might, looking likely. <laughs> good chance to start over if that's the case. But, yeah, it's just, it's, I would, honest to God, I really would. I'd clean it all out. I'd let the president pick his own GM, and I would say, all right, we're going to get everything synced. Fortunately, there aren't really a lot of bad contracts to deal with here. We can truly just forget this happened and move on.
0: Yeah, so I think moving on from going after specific members of the Bears, the front office, or the players, just in general, you hit on a, a good point here, which is, there's a difference between um, being the worst Bears team on the field that I've ever seen and being the most hopeless Bears team I've ever seen, right? I I actually think this might be the worst team, especially if we put it in like an, an OPS plus kind of way, right? Where we adjust for the rest of the competition in the NFL. Compared to their peers, I think this might be the worst Bears team we've ever seen. I think they're they're almost guaranteed for that. I Okay, so, so I mean, we're just doing a rant here. Uh, we got as much time as we want, so I, I'm an Iowa Hawkeyes fan. The last couple years, I hit a state where uh, I've never been as a football fan in my life. Uh, and it is, I stopped being able to even come up with a, a way that the Hawkeyes could score points. Um, you know, their offense with Petras and, and Brad Ferentz was so bad that my brain could not even envision them doing well on offense. I knew the defense had to hold teams under 10 points because otherwise there was just no chance. With this team, I'm having the same issue. I cannot envision them beating a single other NFL team. Um... Even the Panthers have shown more life than the Bears this year. And the Panthers have been by far the second worst team in the NFL. I think the difference between the Carolina Panthers and the third worst team, which is probably the Broncos, is is miles. Is miles different. Um, And the difference between the Bears and the Broncos is miles different. Don't worry, we're going to see that shit on Sunday. There's nothing the Broncos do um, worse than the Bears. There's nothing. They're in, the bear. they're in every
1: way. The Broncos, the, Broncos bear. the Broncos gave up 70 points. 70. Yeah. Yeah. 7-0. They are favorites against the Bears this week, and not one of us thinks that's wrong. Not even there's one. no position. There's Would no it?
0: There's no area on the Broncos team where I think, yeah, that's. The, it's a favorable matchup for the Bears. And that is the third-worst team in the NFL right now, in my opinion. Um but, yeah, I mean, it's, so that's bad. Obviously, the on-field product is the most hopeless thing I've ever seen. But, overall, this team has a ton of hope. Because, with the Bears being this bad two years in a row, plenty of precedent to just completely clean house, get rid of everybody and start over again. They have a ton of young guys who have potential, maybe with a, a defensive coordinator who isn't just a cipher, Right and a defense that isn't 20 years old. They have talent on the offensive side of the ball that is salvageable, and they have tons of cap space, and they have tons of picks. So we do have hope um, for the future. But yeah, for this season, I mean, there's a reason that we're burying them right now. I can't think of a way for the Bears to beat another football team this year. Shit, we went into the season and we thought, man, it's going to be hard for the Arizona Cardinals to win a game. Cardinals have been, like, good they, they are showing signs of being a mediocre team. If that team is worse than 7-10 and 10 at this point, it would be a surprise. They, they thrashed the Cowboys. They were up by 28 on the Giants before falling apart. Um, and they very nearly beat the Commanders. That was a last-second thing. That's just a decent team. Their other pick is with Houston. The Texans have looked good. C.J. Stroud looks fantastic. I want to jump off a bridge. Uh, but... But yeah, like uh, there's there's really no comparison between how much of a dumpster fire the Bears are and even the second worst team, which in my opinion right now is the Panthers. Um at least the Panthers have a direction, you know? At least they have a coach who knows what he wants to accomplish and how he wants to develop their quarterback. We don't have any of that stuff, but there is hope uh I guess for the future. Would you would you agree with that Kyle? You're not you're not hopeless at this point for the Bears franchise. Um I
1: mean, a different person in my position could look at the Chicago Bears and not be hopeless. If you are a neutral observer, you could say, "Look, this sucks," but there's an exit strategy here. If you are me, jaded and broken and dead inside, <laughs> then no, there's no hope. I don't even, I don't even know what hope looks like. What does that I'm, mean? I'm slowly dying inside, and I'm not sure that I will ever feel joy again. Um, okay, but so yes, Kyle. let's. But yes, there is there is potential potential that this thing could be fixed. But like I said on Twitter a couple weeks ago, when I really when I just realized that this Justin Fields thing is probably not going to work out. Whoever the Bears end up taking in this draft, whether it's Caleb Williams or Drake May, and I think they are both phenomenal prospects. And and if you are a person who does not have the scar tissue that we have and you want to be excited about them go do it go believe believe for who i used to be but i will fucking believe that that kid's gonna pan out sometime after his second pro bowl that's about what it's gonna take (laughs) for me to be like this guy's really something special okay it's gonna take a lot more than a handful of throws in an otherwise mediocre rookie season or whatever i ain't there all right, if Vikings fans want to say he can't read a defense or can't throw or whatever because he struggles as 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 a rookie, I'd be like, yeah, sure, maybe he can't I don't know, fuck me, who cares we're all gonna die uh so that's where I'm at, but yes there there is a chance that they will get themselves out of the bog here, um but i will i I think I am fully more than I've ever been in I'll believe it when I see it mode. Uh, and if you're curious about the Skycast, if you're like, please don't leave us. We need you in this dark hour. Don't worry, we're not going anywhere. We uh, we've talked about it. We'll, uh, we'll we'll discuss some what the format probably looks like. But I think maybe we'll you know we'll pick a couple college football topics every week. We'll pick a couple general NFL topics every week, and we'll probably give like ten minutes to breaking down the latest Bears abortion. But um, yeah, I mean, a
0: lot of this. A lot of this. I, the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is basically my mindset at this point, is entirely changed to what are the pro, what are the best prospects? You know, like I'm already looking at the off season. I'm like, who are the head coaching candidates? Who I have get to that. Get excited about.
1: I yeah. get that, son. But bear in mind how much of our March, April, and May coverage was just the draft. We can't start the draft now, or by the time the actual draft arrives, we will be. I don't know what kind of. <laughs> esoteric bullshit will be on so we can't quite go into draft yeah. talk yet even though god knows that's where our mind already is but yeah. uh yeah so we'll still we'll still come to, at you guys weekly we will we'll will talk about the nfl we'll talk about college football we will just give the bears less of our hearts and and our time um but you, you still want to hear what we think about things you know because we think them we're it's think-
0: going to be it's i think we both agree it's going to be less specific going yeah. forward, right? Before the season, we kind of thought we'd come in, we'd be talking about specific players, how well did they do, are they developing, like how do we feel about this team after this podcast um, and I unless they do something amazing against the Broncos, and I think they're going to lose by double digits again it's going to be very like, general did anybody do anything good?
1: If they win this game, and if Justin Fields plays very well, and I mean very well in a way we haven't seen him play well before. Like if he run, even if you even if the dude runs for 150 yards, that's not that that's a novelty at this point. Like, yep. but if he if this is his first 300 yard game or whatever, we'll talk about it. We'll say, hey, maybe this is the possibility of a turnaround point. But the most likely situation is we're sitting here a week from now talking about whatever the Texans did and whatever the Bills, Bills, Dolphins was it a great game and uh you know we'll, we, but we we won't abandon you we we probably will abandon the bears so for for a while anyways we'll um, hibernate them until the off we, will. we can start talking about yeah. head yeah.
0: coaches and uh, yeah i mean if AM this whole, some...
1: if this situation ends and they really true are, they really are holding pick 1 and pick 2 in the draft we'll get a mile a lot of mileage out of that for sure yeah. but uh for the next 13 weeks of them just getting their dicks kicked in there, there, probably won't be a whole lot more to say that we didn't already say this week. So. Yep, yeah, I've got to agree. All right, well, we will see you folks next week. Um, we'll see what we're talking about then. But yeah, I think the 2023 or the 2023 Bears put a put a stick in them. They're done. Put a fork in them. Yeah.
0: Fork stick. and also beat uh, them with a stick. Live, beat a dead horse outside of Chicago. Uh, Chicago or Denver literally are only the areas uh, The only two areas carrying this game Every other area that was meant to carry this game uh, Has opted out Which means Kyle and I can't even watch it So I mean they,
1: they embarrassed us in front of Taylor Swift At that point they had to do something So yep. Yeah Alright well goodbye folks And hopefully goodbye Matt Eberflus And everybody else with him